Hello, and welcome to For What It's Worth. I'm a horrible person. You'd leave stuff laying around? An introduction to and exploration of the furry fandom. No, no, you can't do that because I seriously think of Five Nights at Fred Meyer every time someone says that. If this intro feels a little bit weird and disjointed, it's because I'm at Fernal Lake Wax in Toronto right now. First con in over a decade where I'm not staffing. Well, we have a choice here. Yeah, tell them what our choice is. What are the choices? Limbago in Idaho. <laughs> what the hell? So, no tugs. I am not canceling. There are certain women I just want to bitch slap. <laughs> <laughs> so in summary, people are awful. <laughs> it's kind of true. In the meantime, here are you two fools, Rue and Tugs, whom are not at the convention. <laughs> Welcome to For What It's Worth. This is Season 7, Episode 11, The Big A. And we'll talk about the A later. But I am Tugs Puppy Bear. Joining me in Salt Lake is Ruchi Lexico. Hello, I am Alexico. <laughs> wow. And in, in running our sound engineering today is Voss, who has no character last name. It is Mystery Man. He's in an airplane. Shh. <laughs> All right, That's well, sound effects. it's time for Rue to tell us what he's been up to. Ah, I've been up to a lot of things. Yay! Um, I have a tumor time episode, I mean, um, update. Wow, we're breaking it out early. Go for it. Yay! Okay, so um, I have been able to um, get growth hormones, and I've been taking it for the last five days. Yay! So what I have to do with that is I have to teach myself on how to inject myself with needles yay oh, wow. so, so much fun so you're actually sticking needles now huh yes i'm sticking needles inside of my body i'm becoming a drug user is it a butt shot uh yes actually so you're sticking a needle in your ass but not your asshole got it I exactly it's the form of penetration that i get from my husky he fucks <laughs> you with a needle in the butt cheek okay no, um, so I have to switch where I have to take it. So I have um, twice on the belly, then um, both thighs, and then both butt cheeks. And I have to switch it each have, day. have you noticed anything in five days? Uh, no, not yet. Um, uh, a lot of people say that you won't notice anything until about um, week three. About. What are you? So. Th what are you expecting? Um, I'm hoping for increased metabolism and mm -hmm. also to kind of help with my brain fog and stuff like that. It's kind of like a brain fart and I just have them more often than other people. Mm. So that it can kind of help clear that up a little bit. Have you, have you and been dealing with emotions? Like, yeah, it can also help deal with emotions as well. Mm. Well, I mean, like, are you getting mood swingy? Well, what, what the growth hormone's going to do is all of my current hormones that they're having me take, um, it's going to basically, we're going to have to get retests for everything because it's going to throw them out of whack. So I'm going to have to have my medications changed, my thyroid's going to have to change, my testosterone's going to have to change, and um, they're going to also have to um, fix my metformin medication because apparently it... Um, growth hormones increases your sugar, so therefore they will probably have to have me take more medicine. Huh. So. Interesting. Yay! Well, you're medicine on your way to, you're on your way to being a woman. What's that? You're on your way to being a woman. Uh, no! No, I'm trying to stay away from that. 
I st- actually, I had someone email me and say, how's Ruth's transition? I was like, really? What? Yeah. Somebody sent you that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm transitioning from a boy to a boy. A boy to a to man. A man. A I'm, just, man. I'm just trying to stay my sex. Yeah, whatever. Um, stay what I am. All right. Um, while, while you're telling us what what's up in your life, before you finish what's up in your life, can you also let us know the hex colors for your character and your cape? Thanks. Uh, okay. It's, it's been requested, and I figure this is the easiest way to get them that information. Not not interrupting the whole show and everyone else, but you know. Okay. Yeah. I I, I don't know my the hex color right off of the top of my head. That's okay. You can look it up for my part. Anyway, what else have you been up to? Well, let's see. I have also been. Um, let's see. I just barely got back from SaltCon, where I was very salty, and they sold um, different samples of salts and stuff like that. No, it's a board gaming convention, and um, I had lots of fun there. They basically um, have all board games that you can you can think of. You can rent them out and different things like that. But. Um, but yeah, I picked up a couple of board games, and the newest one is um, Pirate 21, where you basically play like a game of blackjack, but you dick each other as you're playing blackjack, so it's pretty fun. You're fucking while you play blackjack? Mm, something like that. Okay. <laughs> Voss, Voss has a salty reaction to that, because he loves that game. What? No, it's fucking? because I got turned away at the door. <laughs> Why? This is the first year SaltCon ever sold out, so they started turning people away at the door if you didn't pre-reg. So he went all the way up to Layton, which is about, uh, uh, well, about an hour, 45 minutes away, and then got turned turned around, saying, nope, you can't come in. That's not an hour. That's like 30 minutes. Oh. Well, still. <laughs> Anywho, what have you been up to, Mr. Tugs? Well, last week I went to Vancouver, up in Canada. It was my first convention outside of the boundaries of the U.S. I really enjoyed it. It's a weird con, though, in the sense of what I enjoyed was socializing with the people I knew that were there. I didn't know a ton of people. The weird part is this year was the last year, is my understanding, at the current venue. And it's this hotel that just kind of consumed other buildings around it. And so it doesn't have a logical layout. It doesn't have a hub. Bumping into people for those sparks I talk about when you go to a con was almost impossible. Uh, but that being said, I really enjoyed having a small con feel, you know, spending long periods of time with the people I cared about, um, eating seafood, going off site. It was actually really fun. I think it'll be better next year once they're in the, in the Sheraton. Get there, there's a bunch of hotels right there, <clears throat> and the Sheraton's in the middle of the complex, so it'll create a better hub, I think, and they have a much better space layout. Um, so I, I really miss, you know, that small con layout. It's it's so nice and it's unique, you know, to be able to go to a small con. It has a completely different feel. Like, oh, yeah. BLFC used to be really small. And um, now it's just, it's the third largest con. And, um, yeah, it's... <laughs> it's a different it's experience. Starting, it's different. <laughs> it's different. The con has changed a lot. So... Yeah, Anyways. yeah, and, and uh, I mean it's coming up soon, so I hope everyone that's going has a good time. I am not planning to go. No, have uh, you come? It's too big. I just I I want a smaller con. I think. Uh, well, Husky's coming, and come. Yes, he's coming. Um, he's having the same exact um type of feelings where it's getting too big for him. 
Right. And he has his anxiety and he just likes to be able to go to a convention and not have to um, stand, stay in, like go to the convention for an hour and then stay up in his hotel room for the rest of the day. <laughs> I'm not saying that it's that bad, but. No, no, you know, but it, it, is people, hard, it is hard to move around BLFC now. Mm-hmm. It is. <clears throat> it's hard to get up the elevators and different things like that. Yeah, and if but. you're going, I hope you have a good time. I just I've it's something I've recently discovered about myself is that I do have a certain threshold to con. Um, I think what was BLSC like seven thousand or so or close to it or, anyways, many thousands more than FC was at its heyday at this point. Um, something I, yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past if BLFC became like the second largest con or I think it actually has a little bit more to go before it gets there. Yeah, I don't and, know. and Voss, so Voss knows more about the numbers. But. Yeah, I think Vancouver was like a thousand ish, ish. I don't remember off the top of my head. I'm probably way off, but it was a lot, lot less. So I did enjoy well, that part. We do have a new local convention here in Utah, and they got seven hundred um, individuals to to come in one the first first time for the con. I wonder and how they counted actually, though. Yeah, I know. But I think it's also because Rocky Mountain FurCon wasn't happening. Ah. And so Denver didn't have a convention to go to. And so this new con was closer, you know, it was a closer con to them. But now it's like a week before Denver or week after. And I think that the numbers are actually probably going to go down this year. But I don't know. I'm not going to say anything negative about it. So hopefully they have success. Wow. All right. It's time for cookies. Will he reuse another one? Is he ready? Is he going to bed with pastries again? It's Ruse Cookie Time, not sponsored by Betty Crocker. Do the thing. Do the thing. Do the fortune cookie thing. Is Rue ready, or is he not? I think he's not really ready for that. <laughs> okay, no cookie this episode. Let's no, go. No, here his, here's his cookie. So it says... Just doing the stall song. <laughs> Stalling for time. You've literally he... stalled over a minute now. Let's go. <laughs> People want you around. You make anyone look good by comparison. In bed with a cookie. That's it. We're going to break. I'm a bad man with the master plan and the ladies call me Tex. And the one thing all the ladies know is I'm good at having. All right, we are back. And let's go ahead and get straight into our episode. But first, let's introduce our lovely, lovely, lovely guest. Three lovelies? Yes. Okay. Very lovely. And we have Coddle. Hi, Coddle. Hello. How is I am, it? I'm how, how are you doing today on this wonderful, wonderful day? Which we're not going to disclose which day it is. Okay, it is Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm doing well. I'm doing very, very well. I it's, can't complain. It's April the fifth of November. <laughs> the April the fifth of November. <laughs> remember, it's some remember. sort of day. So, so tell us, who are you? Uh, I am uh, Coddle. I go by Coddle on FA. I am a bat. Uh, I make stories and audio 
thingies for people's enjoyment mostly, and I am also an asexually reproducing plant. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, asex. Sorry, um, you mentioned about audio clips. What do you do with audio clips? Uh, I make uh, little audio shows uh, on FA and YouTube, usually themed around a kink of some sort. Like ASMR uh, stuff? Kind of. More like radio dramas, but porn. <laughs> and what and what show is this? Go ahead and pimp it. Uh, it's not it's not a show. It's more like a bunch of different little vignettes and things. Uh, you can find it at Sibylline Sounds at YouTube.com. Uh, I picked a very hard to spell name for some reason. But it's a neat thing that I do. And you can just find all of them on my FA uh, Coddle Isaac uh, username. So how did you find yourself falling into the furry fandom? Me? Uh, Disney mostly. I think the biggest thing I have to blame is probably Sword in the Stone. That squirrel was really cute and it corrupted me forever. <laughs> Something tells me you're into TF. Oh what me? No, no, no! I'm in. I'm into missionary copulation for the sake of reproduction. <laughs> Vor and scenery chewing ensues. Are you right? Are you writing that down? <laughs> I'm looking oh, at no. his site. Oh. oh no! Oh no! You found it. Why? Why would you do that? Because I'm curious what kind of sexy things you record. Uh, this so, out, even though it's kind of like porn, there's no sex in it because I'm asexual. <laughs> so you've been on the show before. Can you remind us what what episode? What did we talk about? Uh, I think I was on the episode. At least I've still got my spine. We talked about furry crushes, and uh, I was embarrassed mightily. Oh my god! You remembered the the dumb title I made up for the show? <laughs> I do. I, I have I have an insane memory for useless details. I remember when I had a memory. I remember. You remember? I remember. I remember. Oh my gosh. We watched too much South Park. Uh, I binge watch the uh, season when it's done. Although, let me tell you, like South Park has gotten a little bit better recently, I think. That's just my personal feelings. I have heard that. Yep. So, let's kick things off. Kira sent us an email from PC Principal, and she said, Hello, esteemed <laughs> hosts and guests and tech support of For What It's Worth. Foster now tech support. It is I, Kira the Fox. I have not many, in quotes, asexuals in my time in the fandom, or I have, sorry, I have met. Uh, and all of them have had their own definition about what asexual means. This I have never understood. Why label yourself with something that has a definition of... Uh, who you are going to just change the definition? Uh, that's interesting. Of you are just going yeah. to change the definition. I once saw someone who was fighting with people about being asexual when they themselves were always getting sexual art of their character talking about having sex with their partner and having sexual desire. Asexual is the lack of uh, any sexual desire, is it not? And she is not the only one who seems to think that adding occasionally asexuals do have sexual desires to that definition. Which I don't agree with, but whatever prefixes mean nothing in this fandom. Why did I spend so much time studying languages? I guess I'm an idiot for not taking the time to become a mind reader so I can know everyone's individual dictionary. I don't even know what I am anymore, thanks to these people. Care the Fox. P.S. How you been? <laughs> so that I begs don't know. The... How have you been? No. Just kidding. So that begs the question then. What, what is asexuality? 
Alright, um, asexuality in its most basic terms is, uh, as uh, Kira said, the lack of uh, sexual interest or desire. But I think what a lot of people don't tend to uh, think about is that asexuality is a bit of a spectrum, kind of. And uh, as she said, there's lots of different terms within the base term of asexuality that can be very, very confusing. But for the most part, asexuality at its most basic is a lack of interest in the act of sex. So uh, let me make sure I understand this right. You, you look at something that people would find hot and go, that's nice. And that's it? Basically. Basically, yes. Um, and that's true for me, but it's not true for everyone who's asexual. I find a lot of times with more niche sexualities, people tend to try to lump things together, but it's like how no one is really straight in the same way. Like, some people like redheads, some people like it when you tickle their something or other. Or, uh, nobody's gay in the same way. Some people like bears, some people like twinks, blah 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 blah. And I think in the same way that no one is a regular sexuality in the same way, no two people are also asexual in the same way. And humans are just a little bit too complicated for that. And it does lead to some confusion with there being a ton of different terms, like there's, um, aromatic, uh, demisexual, and all of that kind of stuff. But, in general, I think it's just people trying to think of terms, uh to find other people like them. And it's really hard to find the kind of definition that is so simple that, oh, everyone can just be this one thing. So in, so in other words, if somebody has sex, maybe, I don't know, let's say that they have sex like once a year, twice a year, you know, and they're, they're, they mostly just do it because, I don't know, maybe they have like a partner or something like that. Could they, if, if they identified themselves as asexual, would that still... I mean, would they fall still in that definition, even though they're ha- um, still having sex? Um, yes, actually, it's quite common for people uh, who are asexual to end up having uh, sexual relations with their significant other, uh, if only because their significant other is uh, straight or gay or what have you, or because, you know, it might be a special occasion and they might want to do it, because technically all the biology still works, uh, and, you know, it's, it's a possibility, but generally it's mostly based right down to desire and what one finds ultimately interesting. I guess I'm just having a hard time grasping and understanding the concept, but I think it's because I'm a fox. That is probably the reason why. (laughs) So, (laughs) no worries. This begs the question, which I was trying to say for later in the show, but this is that time, I guess, which is Mm -hmm. speaking purely from a scientific point of view, if we, if all creatures uh, in existence that we know of so far have this biological imperative to reproduce aka libido what how that seems to be in direct conflict with with asexuality and so a lot of people have i think can't understand it they go are you are you somehow broken in a way or something why do you not have the most basic desire of evolution built in and how do you respond to that um, it's quite funny, because actually, because uh, my mom noticed that when I was growing up. I went on one date uh, when I was 12, and then I didn't go on another date until I was like 23. So she kind of noticed. Um, but she asked me that question, it's like, are you broken or something? And I think a lot of people uh, in the asexual spectrum tend to get that lobbed around at them. And I would say what I normally respond to that with is... It's not really being broken so much as just experiencing the world in a different sort of way. Like, you could 
theoretically say that um, people who are uh, attracted to the same sex, technically that does not really fill the niche of that biological imperative. You can't physically have children. Uh, and sex in society is a lot more than simply a means to an end. There's so much more in it. And I think humans are so intricately complicated that to conflate it to a simple biological need to reproduce is really too reductive of a thing. Mm. Okay, so I have a really basic question. So you have you have people that are straight mm-hmm. and you have people that are gay. And and I know that there's a lot of other things that are in there too. So if I don't say yours, I'm I'm sorry. Bicycle. But then um then you have asexuality. So it's within that particular spectrum. Is that correct? So you're either gay, straight, or asexual, or you know, or other. <laughs> we'll add another box. Uh, well, even within asexuality on its own, uh, there is a bunch of uh, different little areas in that as well. And generally I find that, you know, gay, straight, uh, asexual, even uh, scientific studies have shown that uh, even people who tend to align straight can have urges in other directions. But I think it mostly comes down to what your conscious decisions are and what your conscious likes are. Like, you can love uh, the taste of one type of tea and tolerate the taste of another one. Like, you do- just because you like this one tea doesn't mean that if you drink or eat this other one, you will explode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it kind of comes down to something like that. Um, and I find in with a lot of asexuals uh, in the furry fandom, uh, they're not even attracted to humans in general, which is we- which some people can find very, very strange. Um, but I think one of the main things that it comes down to uh, is what your choice is and what your uh, ultimate desire tends to be because if sex is something that is riddled with anxiety for you or is something that you just don't find pleasurable from like a mechanical standpoint uh, a lot of the times you kind of feel as though you're going to be forced to participate in this thing you don't like to fit in with the norm and that you know that's one of the main hurdles of being asexual is trying to find the box you fit into and society not really providing you with that box I have to say this. I I I've been I've been trying my damnedest to wrap my head around it. Not because I think it's bad or anything, but just because my penis loves attention so much <laughs> that like to imagine a world where my penis doesn't even say hello every now and then is very is very strange to me. <laughs> <laughs> Laugh all you want, but you know what I'm talking about, Rue. <laughs> I just, I can just see your, like, uh, your penis slips out and says, hello. Well, yeah, well, he has a little, yeah. little mustache, some glasses, and a top hat. Shut up. Like, and it's like doing a little rubber hose dance. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, no, no. Tugs's, Tugs's penis twerks. So. Uh, no helicopters. More importantly, though. Helicopters. But, Rude, do you, do you get what I'm saying? Like, I, I enjoy sex a great deal. Like, uh, most, most people, I would say, enjoy sex a great deal. And so it's it is it's this really alien thing that I'm just like okay it exists I don't know much about it but come on sex you know like <laughs> which is very very uh, selfish way of thinking I know oh no 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 it's fine um, but I think that comes down to another kind of uh, what tends to be misunderstanding about asexuality in that like 
technically, if you're asexual, you can get aroused. Uh, it's more just the act itself that kind of uh, wants you out. And I find a lot of asexuals in the fandom tend to fall into a subset of asexuality, uh, which is called autochrosexuality. It's it's kind of hard to pronounce, but basically it's a dissociation between oneself and sexual ta- target or object of arousal. Generally, it's like one can become aroused via sexual fantasies or erotica or pornography, but there's not any actual desire to participate in the act directly. Um, and I find that definition fits with a lot of furries, because uh, if you're asexual, you can, uh, you know, choke the chicken, as it were, or um, do other things. <laughs> But the main thing about it is that either the things that most people find attractive just don't uh, turn you on at all, or you have absolutely no desire to be a participant within it. So Uh, would you say that um, asexuals are, um, at least some of them, um, not all of them, are into voyeurism? where they are into to watching the act itself, but they're not <laughs> interested in participating in the act itself. Uh, interesting phrasing. Uh, but as you said, not every asexual is exactly the same, but perhaps to a degree, I find uh, with asexuals in the fandom, as far as it goes, like they can enjoy seeing art or uh, stories about that kind of thing. But when you put it into the actual reality, it just doesn't work at all. It's kind of like, um, Vore, for for instance. The idea of Vore is attractive in the fictional, in the removal of oneself from the actual thing. In one's head, it is attractive, but the thought of actually being eaten in reality is not sexy. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) So, let's step it, let's step it back just a bit here. Is there... Uh, the question that we have on here is who is asexual, but I feel like that's such a, a broad question. Are there are there mm-hmm. traits, or do you notice there's a particular kind of person that tends to be asexual, or is it just random? Uh, as with most things, it's pretty random. It kind of becomes clear around puberty because I remember when I hit puberty, and like I I remember distinctly I was watching one of those Hardee's commercials that was basically softcore porn. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're talking about like the. It's Carl's Jr. in the West. Um, you're talking about, like, the yeah. Paris Hilton things? Yeah, like those things. And uh, my dad was commenting on how on how pretty it all was and kind of being a little bit of a creeper. And I was over there in the <laughs> corner like, why is she rubbing that sandwich on herself? Doesn't that make it taste weird? But that's just... No, but, but that's not sexy anyway. That's just not hot. <laughs> True. But, like, uh, all of this, all of the kind of sexual marketing, be it for male or female, just kind of flew directly over my head. And I find that as an asexual, and this is just for me, not for all people who are sexual, I find the things that do attract me tend to be more uh, personal, more uh, cozy sorts of things. Like uh, leaning against someone in a sweater while watching a Ghibli movie. That's like, oh, mm, yeah, <laughs> kind of thing. But, uh, <laughs> just imagine, yes! <laughs> yes. Mm, tasty. So I think that's a perfect, tasty point to put us on hold and go on break. Okay. And we'll come back. Okay. Space news. Hailing frequencies open. Smoke Scale Aquatus here with another round of news for you. As of Wednesday, March 14th, here are your space headlines. 
NASA's InSight Mars lander has arrived in California to be loaded into an Atlas V in preparation for launch. Liftoff is currently scheduled for May 5th. It's great to see it finally making progress since it's running two years later than originally expected. Delays due to problems with instruments pushed the launch to the next transfer window to Mars, which is approximately every two years. The instrument in question was the seismometer, and specifically the problem was with the vacuum seal around it. Engineers found it wasn't sealing properly and had to fix the installation, but that took long enough for them to miss their launch deadline. But now, they're getting geared up for launch to Mars in a couple of months. Exciting! Upon arrival this November, and that's why you wait for the transfer window, InSight will touch down in Elysium Planitia, a flat area near the equator where it will sit and listen for quakes, as well as drill a probe designed to detect heat approximately 5 meters into the ground. We'll see a planned two years of operation, hopefully nothing fails early. And hey, who knows, it may go way beyond its planned life, like NASA's spunky little Opportunity rover. It was only supposed to last for 90 souls, which is about 90 Earth days, and it's been running for more than 14 years. I can't wait to hear what they discover about the Red Planet. On March 6th, SpaceX launched the Spanish-owned Hispasat 30W6, which is one of the all-time heaviest payloads the Falcon 9 has lofted. The broadband communications satellite was put on its way to geostationary orbit without incident, and the first stage came back in, but did not land. There was an experimental soft water landing, likely to tweak just how late the Falcon 9 can start its burn, and see how aggressive the suicide burn can be. Yes, that's the actual name of the maneuver. Now you might find it odd how SpaceX is suddenly flying so many of their rockets in expendable mode, since they've been reflying so many. There's a reason for that. They're getting close to switching over to what the fans call the Block 5 version of the Falcon 9, the final version. They want to make sure that all their tweaks and changes are proven reliable before they manufacture them into the rapidly reusable version. And NASA has said that SpaceX needs to fly the Falcon 9 at least seven times without making any changes to human rate it. It makes sense that they would want to test as much as they can on older models of the workhorse booster. And they don't want to keep flying old rockets or have them just sitting around. So they just let them sink quietly to the bottom of the ocean while their Block 5 becomes the standard that you will always see fly. When they dial everything in and finalize it, they can finally turn their engineering attention to Dragon 2 and BFR. SpaceX is pushing hard to get their new super, ultra, mega lift rocket up and running, to the point where Elon Musk has said atmospheric flight tests could happen as soon as 2019. But then he also said it could get pushed back. It seems he's accepted the fact that Elon time is not necessarily the same as mere mortal time. But hey, aim high and you'll still go long. Most people don't know who's in charge of most government agencies. In fact, most people don't know who's in charge at NASA. Currently, that's Robert Lightfoot. He's the acting administrator who took over after Charles Bolden stepped down at the end of the Obama administration, but he will not be holding that position permanently. In fact, he has announced that he is going to be retiring soon, specifically at the end of April. He is currently the longest-running interim administrator at NASA, mainly because the Trump administration has yet to name and confirm a replacement, and currently, we still don't have one. There's a nomination, but there hasn't been a confirmation yet. President Trump's nominee is Jim Bridenstine, a state representative for Oklahoma. He was advanced for confirmation last year, but the Senate never voted on him. The administration has advanced him again to be confirmed, and as of right now, it's expected that all 49 Democrats in the Senate will vote no. Senator Marco Rubio is rumored to be a no as well, and Senator John McCain is not present as he undergoes treatment for cancer. That means that Bridenstine lacks 50 votes he needs to be confirmed. Honestly, I'm hesitant to support Bridenstine. He has no science background whatsoever and is a human-caused climate change skeptic. 
which means he will likely push NASA away from any science missions to study that very matter. Only time will tell what happens, and NASA's leadership hangs in the balance. Oh, hey, do you remember Rocket Lab and their brand new small body lifter, the Electron Rocket? Yeah, they've got a new mission on the books. They haven't released a firm date yet, just in the coming weeks. But they've got a name for the launch. The first launch was, this is a test, and the second one was, still testing. This one? It's business time. I do love their whimsical naming scheme. And I can't let this close without mentioning the passing of a titan. On Wednesday, March 14th, one of the greatest minds this world has ever seen, Stephen Hawking, passed away at the age of 76. He had a remarkable academic life, wrote several books, co-authored a bunch more, made countless public appearances to speak on scientific matters, and received several prestigious awards. And while that by itself would be extremely worthy of note, it is made all the more amazing by the fact that he did all of this while fighting ALS. That's a degenerative illness that results in paralysis and can even rob you of your ability to breathe. He was diagnosed when he was 21 and was given only two years to live but because his illness progressed so slowly, he was able to live as full a life as he possibly could. And he made sure to not let his illness define what he was capable of. There's so much more to tell about Professor Hawking's life that I would be able to go on for hours, and I'm certainly not at all qualified to speak on the man. If you want to know more, there are plenty of videos and even a biography about his life. I encourage you to learn more about someone who left an indelible mark on science, especially astrophysics. It's somehow fitting that he passed away on March 14th, Pi Day, which also happens to be Albert Einstein's birthday. Now, all who celebrate the day will also be able to mark it and remember two of the greatest scientific minds humanity will ever know. That's all for this round. Stay tuned for the next episode of For What It's Worth for more. Until next time, this is Smokescale Aquatus saying keep looking up, space fans. Greetings from China. This is Simon. Husky. Haka. Jack. Eggie. And you're listening to For What Is Worth. Perfect. just all came back together and we're all here and we're going to continue but first let's get to patron i like that you say we're going to continue but not continue by the way exactly it's so good (laughs) all right well we want to thank everyone who feels like what we do here is worth money because apparently a lot of you do so here's a fun fact before i read our, our worship list is that we've been doing Patreon for like a season and a half or so, right, Rue? Yes. In that time, you guys have helped us pay for hosting, buy Nuka a microphone, um, buy the equipment for our second studio, uh, upgrade our equipment in the Salt Lake studio. It's it's all gone to a good cause, and to date we've had $1,854 donated to the show. What? Yeah. No way! Yeah. Oh, wow. Yes. Nice! That's over since the beginning of time. However, we are going to worship those who support us today. So, we will start from the base tiers and work our way upward. So, starting at the beginning, we have Simone, who also led the charge for today's ident. Thank you, Simone, for both. 
Booga, Snares, Skylos, Swift, Hot Sauce with a bear icon. That's cool. Uh, Guardian Lion, Loki Mutt, Cody, Rifka, Artorius Ichisake, Kit. And surprisingly, after we made a joke, and it had been that way for like a few months, he's back. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, the streak only broke for one episode, but yet it is new. So, it is time for us once again to go back to remember to love our beloved Doritos Locos Tacos from Taco Bell. That's right. Dokos has decided that he wants to hear the jokes again. <laughs> <laughs> started donating again. Thank you to everyone. This month, yes. we had $137 donated to the show. What? Yep. No way! Right? That's can, awesome. Can you believe that? Do you remember when we were sitting around saying, oh, no one will ever pay money for this? <laughs> well, I remember when we were trying to be like, let's raise money for the show by doing stickers. <laughs> hey, I still have those stickers. Uh, hey, those stickers are good. You know, let's see. What, what were some of the stickers? Like chicken and waffles or Lottie? Yep. Right? Yeah, I love burying my bone. Ha! <laughs> There's all kinds of things. That's good. Patreon's great. I got a Patreon myself recently, and I'm like, oh, God, this is so helpful and useful to creators. Oh, yeah. No, I love I love Patreon. It's good stuff. Definitely. It, it really has and, paid for us. And I'm glad us. that Patreon didn't change the um, the tiers and stuff like that. I'm glad that everybody spoke up, and they they didn't change the, the way that they had the system set up where they were going to charge extra for people that were doing, like, little small amounts. Yeah. So. Yeah, like because so, those dollars add up. <laughs> definitely, definitely. They do. So, they add up because we've we've had plenty of them. <laughs> <laughs> so once again, thank you so much for for donating to the show. Really, we couldn't do it without you guys. If you want to donate, go to Patreon.com/slash/fwiw. It pays for the show. Yay! Yay. <laughs> All right, so let's return uh, to the topic about the letter A. I had to do so it. So I, <laughs> I have a burning question. When did Yay. you wake up in the morning and realize I'm asexual? It's not like you did well, that in the morning. How do you know he did that in the morning? <laughs> well, I'm asexual, so I don't do anything in the morning. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh. hey um, But like I, like I said earlier, I had a bit of an inkling uh, when I started like noticing how... Uh, sexually charged a lot of advertisements were and how little it affected me. Uh, but I didn't really know what it was until I went to college. Uh, and I went to the University of North Florida, which is a very progressive college for being in the South. Uh, and the kind of LGBT center that they had there had a pamphlet on asexuality. And I found it and I was like, oh my god, it makes so much sense! Because, uh, you know, being not only a dude, uh, but being a black dude from a religious family in the south there is a shocking amount of pressure to have sex <laughs> like um i think a lot of people tend to not really notice how much of a pressure there is to participate in the sexual expectation of society and when you really don't want to it can be such an anxiety riddling thing uh, so, like, I was going through life thinking, oh, God, I, I, yeah, that woman's totally hot. Look at her belly button. Mmm. Such interesting crevices. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, when I found the pamphlet, I thought, oh, 
hey, there's other people who are on this same kind of track I'm on. And then I kind of thought, oh, okay. And when I found that, I kind of stopped trying to fit into the box everyone else had, and I kind of started realizing I had my own little thing. I'm just... I'm surprised. It, like, talk to me more about the societal pressure because I mean, I know like like you were saying, sexually charged ads and stuff. But like, what is it? Is it kind of like when you're when you're gay, when you're pretending to be straight, sort of thing? A little bit. It's like, um, for one, obviously, being asexual from a very young age, I'm a virgin, and that that annoys people <laughs> to no to no end. Uh, so often, if someone and some people ask randomly, oh, hey, have you ever had sex? Sometimes I'll just say yes, because saying no leads to such a anxiety-riddled, judgmental conversation. Ooh, ooh, and- ooh, can I ask the next question that they ask you? Oh, Let's yes. see. The next question that they would ask you is like, well, how do you know if you haven't tried? Yes, that is the next question. <laughs> <laughs> that is always No, there's that, there's... Uh, Tugs' question, your question, and then the uh, the masturbation question, which always come up. Um, but that well, question... Do you, I, do, do you not masturbate? Do you not get morning wood? Uh, not really. It's Well, I mean, okay, well, let's answer the first question, and I'll move on to that question. But uh, as far as how do you know if you haven't tried it, like, I would always love to ask that. Oh, hey, you're a straight person. How do you know you don't like the D if you haven't tried it? <laughs> um, Fair. But yeah, as far as... Uh, masturbation goes I can but I don't really have the drive to really it's like I have things that aren't sex that will get a rise out of me but I also don't think I have the libido to seek them out in the extreme most of the time my participation in the fandom comes from that kind of squee oh isn't it cute sort of feeling that you get like a lot of the stuff that I tend to commission and the stuff that I tend to enjoy is uh, cute, uh, kind of adorable, toony sort of stuff. And people have started uh, saying I have a whimsy fetish as, as a result of this. I can see that. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I can... that's when you should reply and be like, "I don't have any fetish. What are you talking about?" <laughs> well, think about this. I think about this. I do. I do have kinks and fetishes and things. But they're just all not pertaining to sex. Like, that particular action just has no interest for me at all. Uh, and yeah, that's kind of how it goes. <laughs> but things like vor or transformation or changing yourself somehow or, I don't know, like some sort of inflation does. True. And uh, the first two, yes, not a big inflationist, though I mad respect to all the floaters out there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, and I think it comes back to, uh, I think with asexuality, there is an element of removal uh, from the activity or the kink that it is, and that you don't really want to yourself be a participant in it, but you can enjoy it uh, in in a fantasy kind of way. Like so, I have, I can have fantasies, and I can, ha- but my own fantasies don't really tend to involve sex at all. Uh, but I can have fantasies that I can enjoy on that level. But my desire to participate in them isn't there. So I have to, I have to know then. Like, are people who are asexual in a way that you are very similar? Is it just wet dream city all the time then? Because your body is still <laughs> producing things, right? True. I've never had a wet dream actually. But, uh, mm, this is getting into TMI territory, but, uh, Hello. Needless say, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, needless to say, the, the times I do 
indulge in that kind of thing. There is a lot, yes. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> uh, but there's not like a lot of wet dreams. There's not like a lot of things like that. And actually, one of the one of the pull pushbacks to that is I have absolutely no idea what people are flirting with me. <laughs> Or, like, I can tend to be really, really friendly with people and not realize that it's coming off that they might think that I like them or whatever, and that leads to a lot of awkward situations. Mm. <laughs> but, like, um, <laughs> And I don't know, it's just, it's really interesting, and there's not a lot of talking about it. Uh, you know what, I, I feel like that there's a story there. There's, oh. a, there's a story that's there that I, I'm, I'm wanting to hear. <laughs> Fine, if you got to dig it out of me. So, uh, while we were on break, I said I worked at an animal shelter for about two or three years. Because uh, my parents wouldn't let me have a dog. Uh, so, I volunteered to get to have a dog. I have a dog now, though. Hi, Gio. Um, but, so I was volunteering there, and I and this one uh, girl, uh, and everyone called her Vampire Teeth. Which was very unfortunate, because, like, she had this weird thing where, like, she had, like, a second set of canines growing out from somewhere, and it made her look like she had fangs, kind of. That's cool. And it was cool, and it was quite, and I thought it was cool, yeah, but a lot of people teased her about it, and I was just being nice, and I was like, no, I think it's cool, and blah, 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 and, like, she would follow me around the animal shelter, and we'd take care of dogs and things like that, and, like, um, she, and, like, she would touch me a lot, and, like, I didn't really get it. Uh, cause I was younger at this point, I was like 14 or 15, and like never having wanted to explore that, like I'd never, and I was also homeschooled, so like I hadn't even had that much of an encounter with girls before, so like I, I had no idea, until she pulled me into the supply closet and kissed me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I, and then what did you say after that? Like, what, what did you do? <laughs> I fell onto the floor. I, I felt like I, I, it was like I'd been punched. I had no idea it was coming. So like, <laughs> I just, I just babbled, made an excuse, and kind of stumbled out of the room, tripped over a wet floor sign, and kind of hid from her for the rest of the day. <laughs> she probably felt oh, crushed. Oh no! I'm sorry that I'm laughing. <laughs> uh, we've all had those like, moments. I had no idea. I had no concepts. So, there's there's this thing that I noticed, which is when we were talking off the air in your in your last episode that you were on for, you brought up you should do a show on asexuality, and at that point I, we had talked long enough that I knew that this was this was actually genuinely something that was special. It wasn't just the normal caudal blushy blushy that everyone's yeah. hearing, and you know. So yes, you are the reason this episode happened. But the other thing that I noticed is that there was a lot of people that were really surprised we were doing this topic. People were like, oh my God, an asexuality one. Like people were tweeting about it. There was certainly a little bit of a buzz in the audience about it, more than we would see for a topic that uh, like this. Like normally video games and stuff will get that, but that's those are regular episodes. So why, why this surprise? It's almost like people are thirsty for a show like this. I think that comes from, again, the fact that there's not an exceptional amount of talking about it. Um, and I also kind of experienced this at, um, there were pride events at my university, and, like, there would very rarely ever be an asexuality booth, there would rarely ever be, like, an asexual you could talk to. So I think a lot of people know of it, but a lot of people don't have, like, a first-hand account. Uh, so I think people are thirsty for knowledge about it. And at the same to token, uh... I find that there's actually a lot of asexuality in the furry fandom. Uh, like I said, sometimes people get into the furry fandom to the point where 
they don't find arousal in, in human forms anymore. And that's not me, really. I guess I still find uh, humans to be attractive aesthetically. But I've encountered quite a few asexuals in the fandom who are like, oh, if it doesn't have scales, I'm not interested or whatever. And I think that there is a difference between that and outright asexuality. But I think the amount, like a lot of people seek out uh, pleasure in things that are impossible in this fandom. And I think that can kind of lend itself a little more to asexuality. Because a lot of the times, if you're looking at certain kinks in the fandom, like a story or art, the sex is the most boring part. <laughs> like, there's all this weird stuff going on. And I think that there are that a lot of people in the fandom who might be asexual or are asexual just have no frame of reference or someone they could ask. So I think it's very important to kind of open a dialogue. Is it is it really validating to have this come up as a topic? It is! I'm valid! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> For what it's worth has validated you. Stamp of approval. <laughs> so we have another email. It's from Kits. Kits oh, says, yes. Hello to the cast of For What It's Worth and its guests. I'm Kit. I do have a question for the guest. I would like to preface that I'm not asexual, um, yet I know a bit about the asexual community. Uh, I have a question. Um, is there an asexual community? Like, do you have like a telegram group that's just for asexuals? Um, you know, if one exists, I'm not in it, but that's a fantastic idea. Uh, as far as an asexual community, I do have my own Discord group. Uh, that's just a bunch of friends of mine. And I noticed that, uh, I'm not sure if this is, like, an asexual thing, like, but we just kind of clump together, like, moss on a tree branch. <laughs> but there's a lot of, uh, asexual people in that chat as well. Um, and, uh, and it's interesting, because, uh, when a bunch of asexuals get together, you kind of share stories you don't get elsewhere. Like, there's an asexual friend of mine... Uh, and I'm not going to say his name because I'm not sure if he wants that out in the world or whatever, but, like, he started dating women because of the expectation that that's what he was supposed to do, uh, and he actually got pressured uh, by the person he was dating into having sex, and it was so stressful and so anxiety-riddling because, like, there's this expectation of, oh, you have to do this thing, you have to, uh, you know, kind of perform, and there's no, and you have no interest in it, but because he didn't know what asexuality was, he just thought that there was something wrong with his internal plumbing or whatever. And just, like, getting into a relationship without having the tools to explain what he was on a sexual level led to a huge bit of contention in that thing. And, it, and it's still a mark on his uh, dating history and a mark on his emotional history that he didn't have that when it was needed. And I think that's why it's important to kind of talk about it and find it. Because a lot of people think, oh, you're asexual, that's easy. But no, it has its own hurdles. And I think it's kind of important to find someone to talk about those hurdles with or you'll just fall over. You know what? There you go. I think that you should start an asexual channel now and then we'll advertise it. Finish <laughs> the email. And a whole, whole bunch of people. <laughs> so, um, uh, all right. So here's a couple of other questions here. Um, how, um, let's see, how do you, how do you neg, a negative, navigate, your, navigate, navigate, wow, <laughs> how do you navigate your asexual, asexuality and porn? Uh, do you like porn? Do you not like porn? And, or do you have a mix, mixed feelings about porn? The porn could be furry, um, rule 34, real life or anything else. Um, here's. Uh, Go ahead. 
Oh, well, I think, as far as porn, I think I've mentioned this before, porn is, I, I don't personally like porn, it's really cheesy, and there's a lot of, like, jiggling everywhere, and it's just like, ah, not for me, uh, but I find, as far as asexuality goes, a lot of people in the asexual community, and some don't quite uh, fiddle into this, they will not like porn directly, but they will gravitate to kinks that can be incorporated into porn. So, like, they'll find themselves hunting down things of that nature, but kind of fast-forwarding to certain bits that actually don't have any sex in them. <laughs> uh, so, navigate is actually a good word, because, like, you can like things in that media, but you kind of have to navigate around the bits that don't interest you. <laughs> so, he actually um, added, like, why he was asking you these questions. He said, I knew someone who was asexual, and they looked at porn... They posted some of it um, to their blog because they were out uh, about being asexual. They got a lot of hate for it for their from their followers. Other asexual people told them that they weren't really asexual because they looked at porn. Uh, whether the, <laughs> whether the guests um, guest experience experiences and feelings are. Um, um, let's see, whatever the guest experiences and feelings are that are towards porn are completely valid. Um, still, I feel like adding um, in, the, in the context, which is um, that a person's asexuality um, was invalidated by others in the community and because they, and because they looked at porn um, was an important piece to the question as well the invalidation um, of asexuality is a bigger topic that could be discussed too any whore thanks yes. for taking the time to read this email i hope that you guys are doing well with love and cookies kit um well as far as that goes i find uh in quite a few communities of in the lgbt spectrum uh you'll always find uh some uh some folks who are kind of elitist about it and i think that's true no matter what it is like it can be steven universe or a drag race there's always uh a couple of people who are kind of trying to gatekeep uh and that kind of thing always drives me up the wall because, uh, like I said, no two people uh, experience sexuality in the same way. Uh, and I think every single uh, little nuance uh, shouldn't be a disqualification. Like, if asexuality speaks to you as an, identif as an identifier, I don't think anyone else can say, get out of our box, you don't fit in here. Because, um, you know, it's like, oh, maybe you're, you're a gay person, but you wanted to experiment, and so you went out and slept with a woman. Oh, sorry, your gay card is revoked forever. Like, it, it, does, it doesn't make any sense. And I think um, because a lot of the people in the LGB community have been hurt by people's reactions to them and have been traumatized uh, by society not accepting them properly, uh, some of them take the route of, you know, uh, this is my protected space, and I kind of feel... Uh, as though I need everyone to kind of hit these check marks to be in here, and I can and I can see where that would be a valid response because uh, I remember when I first figured out asexuality, it was like this is my secret clubhouse, man. No one else can <laughs> enter here unless they are just like me. But I find, and a lot of people grow out of this too, and I think a lot of the people who probably gave that hate will also grow out of it. But I think 
that is not useful to the conversation or needed. I think pushing people away only makes them feel more isolated in that uh, no matter what you're in, a fandom, a sexual, a sexual spectrum, you should be ex- you should be accepting and not tell people you're not what I say you're not. So let's let's uh, make this very specific. Um, so your friend um, ends up getting hashed for posting porn, and he's he's asexual. Um, what would you what would you say? What advice would you give, or maybe what would you respond to the individual that attacked your friend? Uh, I would basically say that that person kind of I think needs to do some searching as to why they think they are the end-all, be-all classifier for a certain sexuality. Social justice and... warrior? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, but basically, I would say this person knows themselves more than you know them. Just because they don't fit your definition of asexuality doesn't mean they're not asexual. I would say if calling themselves asexual makes them comfortable in their own bodies, what have you got to do with it? But it has to be this way, or it's not correct. Asexual people don't look at anything that's porn-related. They can only look at pictures of moss. We are the plants, people! <laughs> <sighs> so, I, you touched on this, um, and I think it was, again, in our last recording session. Um, I'm going to say a, a word, or uh, two words, um, and, and then I'm going to tie it into the question. So the words are Mrs. Brisby. There we go. Okay. But the thing about it is that you were talking about emotional companionship. So talk to us a little bit about how emotional companionship works and how it's different for people who are asexual. Um, Well, I find that uh, a lot of people who are asexual still desire a kind of, uh, you know, companionship or kind of connection. Because I think uh, in a lot of society, connection and sexual encounter are very closely tied but you can most certainly have one without the other and you can have one very deeply without the other uh and i think uh in furry in general and particularly in the asexual furry community there's this kind of gravitation to non-threatening uh characters or characters who do display uh a kind of affection or connection without sex and i think that's why a lot of motherly characters tend to appeal or a lot of fatherly characters tend to appeal as they show love and affection without the aspect of sex um and that's true and i think that's true even when people are coming up and they haven't really you know experienced sexuality at all a lot of kids will gravitate towards the same handful of characters and i think that's because they display affection without the kind of scary unknown or uninterest in the case of asexuality of you know wanting sex on top of that affection so you went in a little bit into detail with this already, but um, I mean, what kind of pushback have you received yourself um, from people and how has um, some individuals reacted? How has your family reacted? Um, well, my family doesn't really know. Thank goodness. <laughs> my, my sisters know. I, uh, I do. I do have this. I wanted to add. Um, so do you go to your mom and, and be like, hey, mom, I, I'm asexual. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, like the thing about it is, my parents have been one of the biggest people one of the biggest uh things pushing me to try to have sex like if I, like when i was living with them and i was going to a writer's convention like i'd open up my 
my luggage and I'd find condoms in there. Your parents put but condoms they, in your luggage? They put condom in my Yeah, they were, they were really like Are you serious? I <laughs> yeah, I don't think you know how much pressure there is to have sex in the South in particular for, for a dude. Like, uh, I think they're I think they're just kind of worried I might be gay and they're trying to say, okay, just we're trying to push you to have like some kind of sex. But let's that's the main pushback I've gotten from older people who think uh, either I'm some kind of broken toy, or I'm uh, either, or I'm not out yet, and I'm just hiding it. Like those are the two responses I usually get: either, oh, you might want to go to a doctor, or oh, you're just gay. You know, <laughs> and you just don't want. It. I yeah. I know some people within the fandom that would actually find the fact that you know I, would. Uh, do you find that there's furries out there that are? that are trying really hard with you because of the fact that you're asexual because you um, you haven't experienced that you're a virgin do you find that there's like a whole bunch of like furries that are flocking after you um, I tend I don't tend to advertise it very much um, I talk about it on my Twitter and on my FA so people who encounter me at conventions do know but like if I've never encountered them before I don't tend to tell them but I do find on occasion people at like conventions or at furry spaces will kind of sidle up to me and like so hey you never you never did that huh uh how you feel about it now huh i'll be like ah! <laughs> hey 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 Carl, you want to read the next email <laughs> <laughs> yes yes i would let's see from cubs t wolf from cubs t wolf cubs t wolf I know that demisexuality isn't the same thing as asexuality, but it is similar. Growing up, I never understood what it was to be aroused by physical appearances. I had a, psycho- a, a psychological need uh, for sex, but it seemed nothing would turn me on. I did have a romantic attraction to a few girls, but I never imagined sex with any of them until I was already engaged. I had thought that I was somehow incredibly moral. My mate loves being with a guy who doesn't notice the half, half-naked women. But then, about a year ago, I learned the term demisexual. Demisexual people only find sexual attraction in others when they have a deep emotional romantic relationship with them. <clears throat> in the last few months, through coming into the fandom, I've learned I have a furry fetish, which is <clears throat> which is not yet my fur which my not yet furry mate is happy to indulge me in. So, demisexuality is in fact not putting on the the mask in Majora's Mask that makes you into adult Link. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, demisexuality is when uh, you can't really f- find sexual attraction without first having a uh, a person an attraction to personality. Um, and there's quite a few terms like that: demisexual. And also, there's aromantic, in which case you do have sexual attraction, but you don't find people interesting in a relationship sense. In a relationship sense, mm-hmm. um, and I find one of the main pushbacks I get about asexuality in these kind of uh, more obscure sexual terms. If people get mad, like, why are there so many different terms? Why are you guys separating into all these little things? And I kind of find it like, if you if you needed to go to a doctor, would you go to a general purpose doctor, or would you go to a specific one? <laughs> it's like, if your foot hurts, would you go to a brain surgeon? Uh, people want, people make specific uh, terms for themselves to help themselves find other people like them. They're building social tools to kind of find people like them. Like, if there is a term for demisexual and someone says, I'm that too, immediately you know what it is. Whereas if someone said, I'm asexual, you would then have to have a five-minute-long, or five- or 20-minute-long conversation about the ins and outs of that. Uh, but as far as it goes, I think things like demisexuality are also valid. Things like aromatic are valid. 
even if I think the proliferation of terms does annoy folks, I think that doesn't really matter. I think it really comes down to what helps you find the people who are important to you. Uh, and yeah, that's my little spiel on that. It's, it's, I, I can see why people would get frustrated in the sense of, so for the longest time, the term LGBTQ has been around, right? And then, yes. and then like a, probably about a year ago, I heard LGBTQIA and I was like, why are we adding more letters? I don't, <laughs> like, like I, I, I had no problem with what the I and the A stood for. It was just like, how many more letters are we going to add? Are there going to be 50 can letters? Can we just like not have LGBTQ, can, can we just like, like, have a term for it just something that encompasses everybody it's it's just yeah. like a lot to keep track of i think i i find that too like i really don't care if a is on the lgbt thing because uh, i find just lgbt as a catch-all works fine for me but um like i can see the argument being made but at the same time i think it is also impractical to, ex- to expect people to rattle off like a 10 letter long string of things like even as such a heavy proponent I am of alternate sexualities, I think that wanting others to automatically kind of include every possibility is just not possible. <laughs> well, yeah, and then, or the the getting really ferociously uh, mad at people who don't know all the terms just because they haven't had a reason to, or there's a lot of them and so forth, which I think can contribute to the whole, that, that frustrates the crap out of me. Why do we need so many words? Cause at some point maybe they were yelled at, how do you not know this little itty bitty thing? Yeah. And once again, I think, uh, a lot of that, the anger towards people who don't understand, uh, or don't know the terms comes from the people who fall under those terms, mm-hmm. uh, having bad experiences, with uh, people who are on the more majority uh, sexual spectrums. But at the same time, I think it's important to realize that the person you're talking to right then, all the stuff that's happened to you up until then is not their fault. And you should try to open a dialogue uh, and try to elucidate them when you can. And I understand sometimes you've had a really crappy day or like you've recently encountered uh, a straight person who was just awful to you and suddenly you feel like, oh god, I don't want to put up with any more guff from anyone and you just explode at the next person who falls, who doesn't uh, know or who needs kind of education in what you are. But at the same, th- but at the same token, I think uh, as far as it goes, there needs to be some understanding on both halves of, oh hey, if this person has a sexuality that I've never heard of, they, they probably have a hard time finding validation. And at the same time, to the person with that sexuality, realize, hey, you know, this person needs educating, and maybe I can be the person where they don't have to ask next time. Well, I can explain it. <laughs> so do you know any demisexuals out there? Uh, a couple. I know a couple. Um, and yeah, it tends to just be like any other sexuality. It's just they kind of need to get to know you for like they're not gonna be the let's uh, let's get on grinder tonight kind of person. <laughs> they're like the you're gonna have to date them for like literally years before you get <laughs> before you get into their pants. So we have another email, and Amethyst. I'm gonna actually um, have Voss read that. Hi, for what it's worth, gang. I saw your call for emails on the topic of asexuality. A day late. It's okay, you got in. But hopefully you have time to read this out and make something of it. I am an asexual aromatic. Well, there you go. You said it. And now it's happening. 
<laughs> actually objectophile, but it's easier to say ace to most folk. Female and furry, and a furry artist, despite having no interest in the bump or grind myself. I'd say 70% of my workload is naughty, usually very bizarre naughty stuff. I suppose that happens when you're open to drawing anything. I don't find stuff I draw pleasing personally, except for the aesthetic, testing my artist's skill level, but with how my clients react. I think I must be doing something right. I discovered my asexuality after being in a relationship. I just d didn't understand what was going on and didn't feel a connection. Although I wanted to be friends with them, that ships ended about five years ago for various reasons, I now just don't find myself attracted to people. Obviously, in the fandom, which does have a large portion of kinky, sexy stuff, it can make things uncomfortable. Going to cons with people, flirting and assuming things of one another is a bit awkward, to say the least. It doesn't help that I'm also so slow picking up on cues that it literally be months later until I realize someone was flirting with me. Not much more to say for myself. I'm a big, weird, asexual person who'll draw whatever kink a furry has. Amethyst. So, what are your thoughts, Voss? Uh, I can I can agree with a, with a lot of that. I'm terrible at picking up cues, you know. That my, my second can attest to that. Your second. <laughs> <laughs> that it was just pre. It was it was months gone by, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I did this and this and this," and you just totally ignored it, and I did not know. And for all of this, I can go through porn, and I I enjoy it. I like looking at it. It's more of an. It's mostly aesthetic. That's that's good form. That's good art. I like it. And involves kinky stuff. That's also cool. Well, I know that as I know you're asexual, right, Voss? Yeah, it it is going back to your weird spectrum. How I would say it was in real life. I'm asexual. I don't find the human body or anything attractive in any way. And anyone who's going to try anything is going to meet a pretty good dead wall. <laughs> dead but wood. online, I'm I, I'd say I'm pretty gay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was saying with asexuality. There is that element of removal from the real world that kind of helps. I, I would agree with that very much so. Indeed. Um, but as far as the email goes, I get that too, because I take uh, written commissions. And I recently started taking audio commissions for people who want audio scenarios. So like, I end up producing a large amount of porn despite being asexual. <laughs> but in a way that's uh, more freeing because you're not bound by the expectations true a lot of people come to me because they're like oh your word choice is really good because like I'm not really thinking about like oh hey this is a wang I'm thinking about oh uh, what's another word for throb <laughs> <laughs> that's an audio clip <laughs> yeah, no it's not what's another yes, word for yes throb? it is throb <laughs> Throb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're such children. <laughs> oh goodness. Um, but yeah, like uh, the email uh, presents a lot of the hallmarks, like not picking up on cues, uh, not being interested in uh, sex. I find objectophilia is a weird uh, thing that, well, not weird, but a thing that pops up that a lot of people find weird that pops up in uh, asexual topics a lot, and it's mostly uh, where. You re where you find your arousal centered around a particular inanimate object, and I don't personally have this. 
Uh, but being into TF and being asexual, I find a lot of people with inanimate TF uh, tend to be uh, asexual, and that's kind of a thing that I notice. So I wonder if the emailer is into that. You should do a follow-up email, maybe. But anyway, yeah, thing. <laughs> okay, I think then it is time for our final break, an old-timey ad, and then we'll come back and we'll do final thoughts. You're listening to For What It's Worth, brought to you by For What It's Worth brand wood. Yep, that's right. You know where this is going. We've got lumber. I, I mean wood. Damn it, I had one job to do. We can't even be bothered to talk about how hard and firm For What It's Worth wood is. Instead, I'll talk to you about the Patreon campaign. We all like supporting things we enjoy, so why not consider dropping a couple of dollars a month into the pot? Every little bit helps, and there are plenty of support levels to choose from. So why not help us out? I mean, we're just sitting here playing around with our wood. For what it's worth, brand wood. Don't put your eye out. Asexuality! Yay! There's a theme right. song now? <laughs> and now my plan is revealed. The plants people shall take over the world with asexual reproduction. <laughs> and now we're back. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> We're losing control, guys. No, we're not. I think it was awesome. Speaking of asexual reproduction, I have learned a new thing about Seattle, which it didn't ever really happen in Salt Lake, which is um, now that it's getting warmer, it's about 60 degrees um, Fahrenheit. There's there's pollen all over the place, and I didn't know that, so I came out to my car, and I was like, why is there dirt all over my car? I just washed it. And and they're like, that's pollen. And I look close and I'm like, that's pollen? Like, pollen coats your stuff here. Oh, yeah. It was the same thing in Florida. My my white car was a green car all spring. I, <laughs> I've never run into... Like, in Utah, you get pollen and you get, like, big poof balls. But nothing, like, that's coating your car. At least I wow. never did. I bet that, you know, people that have allergies are just... It's terrible. For it's them, a different kind. My allergies haven't gone off at all. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe well, you just... I, I, we'll find out because things. the cherry blossoms are going to start falling in a day or two. And then that's when the fun begins. That's... Cherry blossoms are just beautiful and amazing. And then we get, and then we get the Tugs anime. I would love to. He runs out of the house with a piece of toast clenched between his lips. And, 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 and that's the girl outfit he doesn't tell anyone about. Um, no. So I do... I do want to see flat. I do want to walk down a, a street with like cherry trees on both sides and like the petals all falling just once in my life. But anyway, that's not about asexuality. Rue, what are we talking about? <laughs> well, I wanted to ask a question. I mean, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but I wanted to dive a little bit deeper. Um, you know, I, I feel like, and maybe this isn't true for everybody, but, you know, I, I feel like that people have this need to have companionship with somebody you know being in a relationship with somebody um do you feel like that some asexual people don't actually have relationships or um i mean or how do they express their love to um their companion or the individual that they have are, are in love with well in my experience generally people who tend to skew aromantic, tend to forego relationships, but a lot of people who are asexual do desire uh, companionship in a romantic sense, and I think 
a lot of the times, the reason that asexual people will forego a relationship is because of the expectation of sex, and a lot for a lot of people, if you don't want to, you know, do the deed, that's a deal breaker, uh, relationship-wise, and you know that can make it really, really hard to find that companionship. But weirdly, I found that the furry fandom is more accepting of that than uh, a lot more normal dating circles, uh, and I think. The main thing that one would do if they wanted to be in a relationship with an asexual is it'd have to be kind of a give-and-take sort of thing. Like, you can't, you know, force them to enjoy this thing that you might desire. Uh, but by the same token, I think by opening a dialogue and talking about it, a middle ground can be found. Because people on the asexual spectrum, or at least most of the asexual spectrum, do desire companionship and do desire emotional connection. But they just don't really express that emotional connection through sex, basically. But, you know, it's just kind of finding someone who doesn't care that you don't want to get down and dirty in bed. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, any follow-up questions for you, Tugs? Um, no, just... I've, I feel like I've learned more about this than I would have in the past, like, just researching for it on my own, you know? Um, because, yeah, it's helped me bridge some of those gaps where now I'm at the end of this episode and I'm like, you know, my penis doing the penis thing is wonderful, but I understand that maybe that's not, not quite so vital to some people. The biological imperative can and does bend a lot more than even I wanted to think it would, if that makes sense. Yay. I think one thing that I've gotten out of it is, um, I mean, and, and I felt this way before, um, but it, it's okay if somebody is not interested in sex. It, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with them. Um, you know, they are, they're going through life just as you. Um, they just express their love in other ways. Exactamente. Any final thoughts, Coddle? Uh, well, I wanted to thank you guys for doing the topic. Like I said, uh, it's not exceptionally talked about, uh, and uh, there's probably quite a few uh, people out there who will benefit from listening to um, us talking about it. And if you're listening and are asexual, I may be starting a Telegram group about that, apparently, so you can find me uh, at Coddlewag on Telegram, C-A-U-D-L-E-W-A-G. And in fact, when you make that Telegram group, why don't you um, link it to our... Um for what it's worth um, a telegram chat so that those individuals can join your group oh that is a grand idea thank you the the sexual chat without any sex <laughs> just like this episode do you have any thoughts Mr. Sound Guy that's in an airplane do you feel validated I feel super validated <laughs> <laughs> joking aside joking aside like has have you experienced any emotions listening to us talk about this no, it's just uh, really gone through, and I could agree with all, pretty much all of it, and it just seemed to confirm what I already thought. Doo-doo. Yay. Yay. Mutual confirmation. <laughs> Stamp right. of approval. Well, and so at this we point, have nothing in the mailbag. Yeah. I'm sad, Tugs. We now can't the- unzip our flies for it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we can't just unzip the, the be- mailbag. The sack? <laughs> the sack. <laughs> I'm putting a lock on the za- on the sack zipper. <laughs> no. It's okay. The password for the I'm lock is Brisby. I'm not into chastity stuff. 
So I guess that means we're going to move right into housekeeping. So as always, we want to thank our wonderful cast, Firebreath for doing lines, um, Voss for doing what he does and winding up cables and keeping Rue from generally putting his fingers where they don't belong. Um, I want to actually extend a thank you to our listeners um, because let me tell you, I have seen such an increase of comments that about our episodes and you know get people going out and saying hey you should listen to this episode or this episode may help you um and so please continue to do that comment on the site comment on on twitter um talk about the show on our telegram group yes and tell your friends tell your friends more friends means more listeners more listeners means more possible victims for patreon no. <laughs> oh my gosh. Tugs. Uh, other than commenting on the site, join us on social media at For What It's Worth, plus For What It's Worth, or I don't know how you do things on Facebook because I don't have one. Um, there's an unofficial furry amino group. I think Kira's in charge of that? Someone's in charge of that. Well, we don't We don't go to that, but if you need to nerd out on your phone, that's one way to do it. Um, join us on our to- um, Telegram. Grim. Uh, you can Grim. Shoot, uh, that's your thing, Tugs. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's just shoot us an email at cast it for what it's worth um, and send us your Telegram handle and we'll make sure to send that to you. Or you can just message me directly at, at WineRedFox on Telegram and I'll add you. Yep. All right, Coddle, now it's your time. Tell us what you've got going on in your life, anything you want to plug or unplug. Uh, well, I do, uh, as I said, you can contact me on Telegram at Coddlewag, uh, C-A-U-D-L-E-W-A-G. Uh, my Twitter handle is exactly the same if you want to say hi on Twitter. Uh, I have a, I have a website, uh, where I have audio stuff you can listen to. It's, uh, sibylinesounds.squarespace.com. Uh, and I don't know why I picked Sibyline, because no one knows how to spell it, but Google it, and you can figure it out. Sibylinesounds.squarespace.com. Uh, uh, other than that, I have a Discord group uh, called Burnell Township, which is a name, which is a name of a fictional town where all of my characters tend to live. And we do tabletop game nights if you if that's a thing people are interested in. You can hit me up about that every. I other love week. tabletop game nights. Tabletop? How? Uh, over Discord, we've been doing we've been doing every single furry game we can get our hands on. So we've done Iron Claw, Madcap, and Urban Jungle <laughs> recently. Oh, uh, you know, you should totally um, try Triton. Ooh, well, I'm always looking for new games, so yeah. Triton just... is a brand new, um, because you said Iron Claw and Jade Claw, um, Triton is brand new. Um, in fact, I have a, a Triton um, group that gets together. My my Husky is the DM for that. And um, actually, Voss is in there, too. What are you playing? I am playing an Inquisitorial Sergal special i know and i'm playing this guy that can cast uh, is a cleric that is also a necromancer at the same exact time (laughs) very nice well if you guys ever want to do an episode on tabletop bop oh that's that's a great episode (laughs) (laughs) that's how it starts damn it (laughs) (laughs) i never leave an episode without leaving a seed for my next entrance oh man so that must mean that we did something right So our next episode, we're going to go big and large and tiny. So we are going to be talking about macro and micro. Ah, So get your kaijus out 
and ready. Get your kai. No one keeps kaijus in their pockets. <laughs> you are well, a pocket dork. monsters, right? Like Pokemon. Oh yes. <laughs> Speaking of, just so people know, we actually do listen. Someone suggested a Digimon episode. Maybe one day. We're not sure. It's, it takes a while for us to get episodes from concept to production. I mean, did you see? So. Did you hear? Did you know what's coming? Your Digi-Destiny starts today. Let me hear you say. Oh, did my you- I think on that <laughs> note, we got to do the thing. Do the thing, Julian. So, wait. What do we want to hear for about micro and macro, Tugs? If you're micro, we want to hear your big opinions about being small. And if you're big, we want to hear your small opinions about being big. <laughs> and if you have questions about uh, micro or macro furries, um, please feel free to send those in as well. What about and you micro can send machines? Those to cast at forwhatitsworth.com. Wait, I think micro machines are just cars for micros. <laughs> oh, that makes that makes sense. Well, then there should be a segue micro machine because here we go. Uh, this is this wait. Has been <laughs> this would not be a proper episode if I didn't do this. Why is toilet paper like the Starship Enterprise? Why? Oh my gosh. They both go around Uranus hunting for Klingons. Uh, <laughs> no! No, no, this has been Rue. This is dad jokes again. This is Voss. This is Coddle. And you've been listening to For, for What, what It's, it's Worth. worth. Wait, wait, I didn't really hear that. You know, he kind of just kind of drifted off just a little bit. I'm still recording. (laughs) (laughs) I know you are. Okay. Cold. Yeah.